0: no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details from Autosport Magazine and Autosport.com I'm Luke Smith and this is the Autosport Podcast Max Verstappen may have topped qualifying for the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa on Saturday, but it will be Carlos Sainz who starts from pole position for Ferrari after a litany of penalties shook up the grid. Verstappen didn't even need a second run in Q3 to take pole, reminiscent of Sebastian Vettel at the peak of his powers with Red Bull, as he sat in the garage and still finished 6 tenths of a second clear of the field. The power unit penalty means he will start the race from 15th, ahead of five other drivers who cop the same back-of-grid sanction including title rival Charles Leclerc, who was hit with a tyre slip-up by Ferrari in Q3. Elsewhere, it was a good day for Fernando Alonso, who will start third for Alpine. There were struggles for Mercedes with its tyres, and joy for Alex Albon, who will start a brilliant sixth for Williams. Recapping all of today's action from Spa, I am joined by Autosport F1 editor Matt Q. Now Matt, Verstappen's performance today, although he's not starting from pole position... It was pretty ominous. The the pace was like just crazy to be six tenths per second clear all weekend long. He's looked so so strong. Is it fairly ominous signs for the rest of the field going into tomorrow's race?
1: Six tenths is an absolute age in Formula One. What what's your saying? A tenth of a second cost you about ten million pounds and he's 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 done that in all through his own efforts. Absolutely, you know, embarrassed Sergio Perez. A life a lifetime ahead and, and the fact is we get to the post race press conference and and he will. He's saying immediately. There's no none of this playing it down. He's saying immediately. I'll be disappointed if I don't get a podium. Carlos Sainz. Carlo is saying I'm not going to bet on myself for a win because Max is coming through from behind. That's how dramatic a performance it was. And we were. Well, I was doing some Friday analysis as per. And. You know, a points of season narrative has been how the Ferrari accelerates so well at the low-speed corners, and and uh, and with its Canada spec rear wing, it's better through the corners. And Red Bull's doing all its might on the straight. This Red Bull this weekend is just quick everywhere. Ferrari are probably slightly dropping the ball in certain elements, but Verstappen's performance is so comprehensively better than than everyone else's. It's it's really quite ominous. So to see what he can do with a handy handy toe and. And also, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, we've seen he's been a cleaner racer, a more effective racer in in traffic and in the pack uh, this season, whether it be Silverstone or wheel-to-wheel with Leclerc. So put it all together, as Hungry proved, he can probably still have a spin in the middle of it and and potentially come away with victory. So uh, it's already a mighty, mighty performance. Possibly, yeah, uh, we could be looking at one of his very best.
0: No, high praise indeed. And you mentioned Carlos Sainz there. I mean, that's a pretty damning assessment that you're on pole position. You're like, oh, I'm not going to even bet on myself. Him and Sergio Perez will be sharing the front row of the grid tomorrow. How big a chance is it for both of them? Because although we've got Verstappen and the Clerk recovering through, their teammates, the, the, the number two drivers, which may not be a very kind thing to say, but it's kind of true. How much of a chance is this for them whilst they're quicker, I think, more established, let's say, teammates uh, are both out of the picture a little bit. Or actually, are they still going to have to be looking over their shoulders uh, for Staples and the Clerk come through the order?
1: Well, it's a massive opportunity. And we'll talk about Mercedes in a bit. But this was their chance to win as well. Their, their best opportunity at a race win potentially in 2022 is gone. So it's those two drivers. And if they are, they have this tacit number two role. I think it's, you know, that's fairly common. We all we all accept that this is a bare minimum that they need to be doing with their, with their leading teammates out the picture. They need to be keeping the Ferrari and Red Bull end up uh, respectively. If they come through, you know, okay, there's a, uh, there are a few, uh, their teammates are grid positions further back, but by the end of O'Rouge they might've picked up one or two positions, but it's still a couple of seconds behind. They need to, you know, in clean air, nail the strategy. It's up to the team as well. So, you know, we'll, how Ferrari and Red Bull uh, square off against each other, but they they have to bring it home. It's it's almost not necessarily who wins out of Sainz and Perez to me. It's that they stay ahead of their teammates. Otherwise, if if we get to let's say you know lap 35 and and the pit walls are on doing team orders, I, you know, I'm selfish. I look at it at my workload this weekend driver ratings. Well, that's immediately points off, isn't it? When you have that grid advantage and, and you're not making it count. Perez is probably more at risk there. He's he's had a disrupted running, didn't get any sort of long run uh, data sorted in, in free practice, wasn't happy with the balance again today. And, and that comes as Verstappen is so, so clearly in a groove. Leclerc and Sainz are actually quite evenly matched. And that's been something we've probably been able to say for the last few races now. Sainz, Sainz got a lot closer. So I think I'm looking more to Sainz to be impressive, not, not even necessarily to win against Perez because that red Bull is so fast, particularly doing its work in the second sector. But he's, for me, is the one who has to stay ahead of Leclerc because the long run times and, and what they've done so far on the weekend suggests he's faster. So if if they're close on track, It's either because Fryer really imposed Team orders isn't and Leclerc's been astonishing, or it's because Sainz
0: has made a a mistake or dropped the ball. Coming on to Leclerc now, it was a bit of a scrappy day for him. We saw that spin in FP3 where he, uh, yeah, touched the wall, didn't have any damage on his car. It was quite a uh, premature move for the red flag, so that meant it did uh, suspend the session briefly, but he managed to get that car back going. And then come qualifying, we always knew he was going to start at the back of the grid after the FIA clarified the loophole that was, uh, yeah discussed and maybe said that, oh, he might get away actually starting ahead of Verstappen, even if he qualifies behind. That's not the case. He did have a backup grid penalty. Uh, So we knew what was going to happen. But then Q3, it still didn't go to plan. Ferrari accidentally fitted a set of fresh tyres for his first run in qualifying. The plan was to put him on a scrub set for the first run, then fit the fresh set for the the second run. Uh, Leclerc quickly asked on the radio what are these tyres? And they said, sorry, we've made a mistake. It meant Leclerc didn't get that second run in Q3. In the end, he ended up fourth, obviously drops back to 16 on the grid because of the penalty I asked Charles afterwards said what happened like it's another mistake like is there any frustration he said nope it's all good but I mean, how much of a sign is this? The little things that Ferrari just seems to be getting wrong on such a routine basis, even if it's picking the right set of tyres to put Leclerc on, be it hards versus mediums in Hungary, or the right set of softs in qualifying today.
1: Well, when Leclerc came over Team Radio and discussed it and Ferrari said, yeah, it's a mistake from us, our reaction in the media centre universally was, was to was to laugh. And that's not because necessarily found it funny, but it was probably with an eye roll as well, because it's yet another mistake and it's public, even if it's not cost And, you know Leclerc has his crash in f p three so he goes into qualifying uh, you know not hundred percent sure, I think not knowing precisely where the limit is or and it might be great one of those things where you find a limit and you take yourself one percent back from that and he's brilliant the rest of the weekend, but he goes into qualifying slightly blind. Is it a thing at the back of his mind that he's now going into the race, knowing that Ferrari is still potentially balling up its strategy? We have to be really careful with what we say. But it certainly looked to me when Leclerc uh, crossed the line, I think he was fourth fastest initially, having done that run on a fresh set of tyres. It looked to me like Mattia Bonotto on a pit wall sort of intimated, putting a gun up to his head sort of thing. And this, uh, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to absolutely stand by that, but it, it looked like that. It certainly sort of some sort of look of derision or like, come on guys. And okay, you introduced Leclerc as a potential, as Verstappen's title rival. Mathematically, absolutely, he, he he is the nearest. You know, absolutely. But little things like that. When when Red Bull, being so operationally sound, those little things all add up. Whether it's psychological, or or even just like, you know. We, we try and be as fair, as neutral, as unbiased, as whatever, but it, for everyone else, or for us included, it builds up the narrative again that, that Ferrari are, are making mistakes and it's sloppy, and whether it's our reaction in the media centre, the, the commentary stream I was listening to it then became a talking point for the next few minutes about what they're getting wrong. It's all, it's all these little things cumulatively where... Okay, Leclerc had his major whoopsie in Paul Ricard and there have been other things here and there. But you have to say that the car and the driver are ready to win a championship before the team has been. And this is just the latest case in, case in point. Uh, when you know we're writing our end of season review and whatever... This will be a footnote, but it is nevertheless a
0: note. Picking up on team bosses, you mentioned Matthias Bonoso there. Another team boss who maybe wasn't overly happy with today was Toto Wolff, who said it was unacceptable, called it the worst qualifying display he's seen in uh, 10 years or so at Mercedes. And although Lewis Hamilton and George Russell will line up fourth and fifth tomorrow, they did actually qualify seventh and eighth. Obviously, all the penalties do bump them up a bit. Alex Albon, who we'll get on to, actually reckon he could have even split them or beaten one of them had it uh, not been for a slight change in his approach at the end of key three. Now, the big issue for Mercedes was its tyres today. Russell said it was just really hard to get any heat to them. It's been a, an issue we've seen for the team this season. It was quite a, a cool day out there, sort of like bit quite weird yeah. temperature. So it was, uh, yeah, I think a, a bit of a challenge for them. Lewis Hamilton was asked after the session about the car and the focus on next year. And he said, yeah, we said we've got to, uh, we can only sort of laugh off the issues that we're having at the moment. We can't get too down in the dumps. And uh, it does seem like a bit of a step backwards, though, when we look at how good Hungary was with the pole, with the double podium. Does it seem like Mercedes have maybe, yeah, slipped back a little bit compared to where they were heading into the summer break?
1: My pre-Belgium column was like, this is a race where we'll finally find out how significant Mercedes powers of resurrection are after such a you know by their standards poor start to the season and I say that because okay Russell scored a superb poll in Hungary when Ferrari and Red Bull left the door open and they of course got that excellent double podium on Friday they were nowhere they, they were so inconsistent and the actual line Russell said was we could turn the car upside down we went in blind to Saturday because they just thought it was so bad we'll reverse everything I've spoken to several teams this weekend just to sort of you know, um, make sure that the logic is sound and is. in saying that the first half of the season was so busy, 13 races I think, 21 weeks, add in a few travel days. And there's so little time just to break down all the data. But I've spoken to a lot of teams, those who have struggled with poor and said, the summer break was a time when we correlated that damper change we did for that few laps. This is how it affected the car. And so they've come now, Williams Williams is the one I'm talking about mainly, and they, they boiled it down that, you know, when the car started porpoising in FP1 for, for Albon in particular, they knew it was immediately how to eliminate it. Mercedes have had that same opportunity to work out, OK, the car's been inconsistent, but how do we unlock it? So you have that coming into this weekend. They should have had a better understanding. This is also the first weekend with the technical directive, so although as far as we're aware they've not fallen foul of it, we know that Ferrari are porpoising as well, so they, they potentially could have been robbed by it. and then you have all the penalties, and the, where I'm going with this is, Sainz and Perez are still there, but Leclerc and Verstappen are not out of the picture by any means, but they were not going to factor at the front in or, or, or on the grid, so this is, in a bad season, and the powers of recovery, this is Mercedes' potentially best chance of winning. Okay, they've never been good in top speed uh, in the top speed ranks this season, and, and Spa obviously favours that, but with you know half their rivals effectively out of the picture, they should be on the front row and potentially looking at a win, and they're nowhere. I mean, Toto Wolf called it the worst team performance in a decade. I don't think it is statistically. You look at some of the performances in Singapore, but in terms of... The promise, I think, coming into this weekend and, and how they performed, like you say, and and the fact is, it's their tire temperature, or their the way they manage their tires. That's been their consistent flaw, and they're not getting on top of it either. Which is which is also, I think, you know why why it sort of stings particularly, or or is, it it looks even worse, is because they're not rectifying a mistake. And I think the talk is now uh, from Wolf and Hamilton, like right, that's this car done. We're sort of we're sort of up with it now. And now now it's you know maybe we could have carried momentum over the summer break and, and sort of really turned up the wick in in the final right nine races but now it's all eyes on on 2023 because this car concept or whatever it's just it's just not getting there or, or there it's not even if it's just slow it's slow and they still don't
0: know effectively how to unlock it no definitely work for mercedes to do there and finally let's get on to alex albon a really great display from him today we know all the penalties obviously we're always going to boost him up a little bit but the slippery williams obviously works very very well in a straight line allowed him to get ninth in q3 his first q3 appearance uh, since returning to f1 with williams this year and that means he'll start tomorrow's race from sixth on the grid which is a really fantastic result for him and for williams he was very happy when we spoke to him in the media pen after the session he said yep yeah, he's happy to to get elbows out and see where things go and it's going to be a bit of a challenge obviously to cling on four points but the Williams I think is very well set up for the high speed nature of Spa, so it should hopefully work to their advantage and yeah give him a good shot at staying in the top 10 Matt you spoke to Dave Robson Williams is head of vehicle engineering after the session and he went into detail a little bit about what was behind Albon obviously great in the car great performance from him but a bit of a uh, bit of unconventional work from Williams on the upgrade front to uh, get him that result absolutely I tried to put it polite
1: as politely as possible but I basically said the speed this weekend it's all coming in that first sector Alex Albon was fastest of anyone all day in that first sector I basically tried to said, is that a deliberate setup or is it that's just reflective of the car not having any downforce, so it cuts a nice clean hole in the air? And they said it's sort of somewhere between the two. So what we know about the Williams is, yeah, it doesn't produce that much downforce, and they've the way the way um, Dave Robson put it, it was quite crude. He said it's a cheap upgrade. We've just cut off a bit of the rear wing, and that's why we're more slippery. The top speed is good, and they're really efficient through that first sector. But there was also a bit of micro analysis as well. And Albon actually after. Some setup changes. They weren't too happy with an FP3. In 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 qualifying, he was so good at getting on the power out of the source and then carrying that speed all the way through. The other thing is, you know, we are at Spa and it could change. I'm looking at the Sky now, and even though the light's fading, you can tell it's quite cloudy and dark, and there might be rain up there. But the weather has been fairly stable. The problem with the FW44, one of its several problems this is, has been its sensitivity to wind. That's what uh, I think Latifi was on for Q2 in Hungary, and the wind sort of just picked him up at the final corner and spann him. And, and Albon had a mistake there too, and it's particularly sensitive. So without that, they've had a really consistent, nice car to drive. And it's not all about what they're doing on the straights, because yes, that dominates the first part of that, but then the rest of it's medium speed, and they're still picking up pace there and staying roundabout. You know, uh, I have to consider obviously with driver ratings that Albon's ideal time was seventh, and he only got ninth. So how much do wow. you count that against him? I'm, I'm being a bit flippant there. Um, and actually, actually, uh, Q3 I think was his slowest uh, qualifying lap because he ended Q1 in sixth, uh, sixth, and was tenth in Q2, and then basically for Q3 they were like, with grid penalties, we know we're not coming out of this any lower than uh, sixth, which is what he got. So. Uh, Flat out, it was a bit ragged, a few mistakes, clipping the gravel in a couple of places. Um, But they knew he wouldn't qualify any further up. And it's also why their strategy was a bit offbeat. Williams thought that the track evolution, obviously it was still playing a part, but it, it sort of, plateaued so they sent them out early in uh, clean air so that meant no tow to maximise speed but they knew they were already quick on the Kemmel straight but they were also like Mercedes they've had a really big problem with getting their tyres in the window so they thought nope we're going to have the track all to ourselves no traffic no dirt yet and we're going to manage these to perfection and it's what they did and it's a really really impressive lap you know the best of his uh, best of albums return to F1 uh, and he's uh I was looking doing some number crunching better than what he managed at toro rosso, and the only uh his, his top grid spots was uh, four lots of fourth places at Red Bull so to do that in a Williams and yes, I know Russell got second here last year, but that's a really really impressive result, and they are expecting to go backwards tomorrow, but I you know maybe a slight prediction I reckon he can gain a place come. Lecombe, because if he's quick out of the source, if he races well into the first corner, if he's good on the power out of that, with that low drag, William and a bit of a what's he in sixth place? So what's quadruple plus one? that that, that much of a toe. Maybe maybe he can pick up a place uh, in the breaking zone into into But it was a, a great performance, and uh, this comes as well. Sort of you know he's he's coming into this second part of the season with. Uh, Effectively, having really cut his ties to Red Bull and uh, and signed a contract extension at Williams, an announcement that was sped up because Williams wanted to take him off the driver market and amongst all the sort of uh, Alonso and Vettel funds. So,
0: yes, lots of driver market fun. More of that today as well. Our, our colleague Adam Cooper reported that Alpine are looking at signing Pierre Gasly for next year obviously he has a contract with AlphaTauri but as we know in Formula 1 contracts are often only worth the uh, piece of paper they are written on could lead to IndyCar star Colton Herta maybe coming in at AlphaTauri so uh, yeah definitely lots of uh, interesting stuff going on there in the market so yeah really suggest you go and read that story up on autosport.com uh, Matt thank you very much for joining me it's been uh, yeah another really good day at Spa a jumbled up grid Max Verstappen quickest in qualifying won't be on pole but from fifth 15th on the grid i think it would take a very foolish man or woman to rule him out of potentially winning tomorrow's belgian grand prix make sure you join us for tomorrow's belgian grand prix full race review podcast uh, we'll have uh, martin and co as always to uh, discuss things and uh, yeah otherwise enjoy tomorrow's belgian grand prix